If you know the neuroscience of listening, we speak at 125 words a minute, but we can think at 900 words a minute. So if all you do is listen to what people say, you're missing out on 89% of what they're thinking. So deep listening is helping you find the next 125 words so that people can tell you what they really think rather than what they automatically say the first time. So deep listening, it's listening to what's not said. Are you ready to become a world-class interviewer, stand out with your podcast, and create an incredible audio experience for your listeners so that they keep coming back to your show and become raving fans? Welcome to the Podcast Interview Mastery, a weekly interview show where you will hear world-class podcast hosts and interviewers share their stories, tips, and strategies on how to become a master interviewer and hone your craft as a host. Are you ready to boost your confidence and inspire the masses? If so, buckle up, my friend, because this podcast will show you how. I'm your host, Tibor Nod, founder and host of the top-ranked Mindset Horizon podcast. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. I hope you are doing amazing and having an awesome week. I don't know if you have realized, but in many of the conversations with world-class podcasters, listening as a skill came up many, many times. And so since I had an amazing expert on the Mindset Horizon podcast a couple of weeks ago who talked about how to master deep listening, I decided to release that episode on this podcast as well. His name is Oscar Trimbley, and in this episode, we deconstruct what deep listening is and how you can master it. Listening is one of the most important skills an interviewer can master in order to conduct outstanding interviews, and as Oscar likes to say, have an impact beyond words. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd love to encourage you to join the Podcast Interview Nation community, a Facebook group where you have the chance to connect with other like-minded listeners and podcasters. You can join the community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interviewnation. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interviewnation. If you haven't started your podcast yet, but you really want to start one, I would highly recommend checking out my podcast mastery course at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. That's again, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash course. You can also find these links in the show notes at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash interview. So as I've mentioned before, my guest today is Oscar Trimbley, who is on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world. He's an author, host of the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, and a sought-after keynote speaker. He is passionate about using the gift of listening to bring positive change in homes, workplaces, and the world. Through his work with chairs, boards of directors, and executive teams in local, regional, and global organizations, Oscar has experienced firsthand the transformational impact leaders and organizations can have when they listen beyond the words. He consults to organizations including Cisco, Google, News Corp, PayPal, TripAdvisor, helping executives and their teams listen to what's unsaid by the customers and employees. Oscar lives in Sydney with his wife Jenny, where he helps first-time runners and ocean swimmers conquer their fears and contributes to the cure for cancer as part of CAN2, a cancer research charity. 
This episode, my friend, is just loaded with incredible nuggets and insights on how to master deep listening. Here's what you will learn today. At the beginning of this episode, we talked about what deep listening really means, and Oscar talks about the so-called 125-900 rule and how to unlock 89% of the thoughts stuck in people's minds. He shares three simple yet powerful phrases that can elicit further deep insights in the conversation. In the middle of the episode, we dove deeper into what conscious listening means. Oscar talks about the four villains of listening and how to become a better listener. Closer to the end of the episode, Oscar explained the five levels of conscious listening and he gave exact examples what listening looks like on each of those levels. As always, you can check out the free resources, detailed show notes, book recommendations, and links at mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. That's again, mindsethorizon.com forward slash interview. I'm telling you, my friend, this episode will shift your mindset around listening. So buckle up and enjoy the episode with the master of deep listening himself, Oscar Trimbley. Oscar, welcome to the podcast interview mastery show. G'day, Tibor. I'm looking forward to listening to your questions today. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to listen to your answers in terms of different listening skills. But first, I would love for you to share your personal story with us. So that would be my first question. How did you get where you are today? And maybe more importantly, how did you realize the importance of deep listening? And how did you become an expert in deep listening? I think looking back is much easier to make sense of everything than looking forward. I grew up in a school that had 23 nationalities. I was the son of two first-generation Italian migrants from post-war Italy, and we were very close to the immigration centre. And as a result, when I went to school, there were people I went to school with from Vietnam, from Laos, from Cambodia, from war-torn parts of Southeast Asia, from war-torn parts of South America, people fleeing Eastern Europe at that time. The world was up uh, in that way. And there were people from Russia, from Yugoslavia, from Latvia, from Poland, all trying to get across. And they ended up at our school. And I didn't speak any other language other than English, Tibor, and I was really wanting to play card games and all these people would <laughs> play card games in their native tongue, in their home nationality, but what they didn't realize was although I couldn't hear what they were saying and make sense of the words, I could definitely make sense of the facial expressions where they put their fingers on the cards, how they smiled or didn't quite smile, but maybe their eyes got a little bit bigger when they got the right kind of card. And then people wanted me on their team because I was starting to listen in a completely different way. When I was in the workplace, I was renowned for one question only and people got bored with it originally and then embraced it later on. And I just said, have we listened to a customer? Have we gone and spoken to a customer about this idea that we're coming up with? Because uh, working for multinationals and globals like Vodafone or Microsoft, the reality is the closest they ever get to a customer is a, a set of slides that summarize market research. So my teams were, if you wanted to join my team, I never had a problem recruiting people. If you wanted to join my team, I'd always say, go to the customer contact center, go and listen to some phone calls and 
tell me something I don't know about the customer so we can uh, help them a little bit more. And then Tibor was 2012. I was in a video conference between Seattle, Singapore, and Sydney. It was an annual budgeting process for Microsoft. And at the 20-minute mark, the vice president who was in the room in Sydney in Australia looked across at me and said, can you wait? Stay behind. I need to talk to you after this meeting. And the only thing that was going through my head, Tibor, was <laughs> how many weeks' salary have I got left? Because surely that sounds like I'm going to get fired. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. So I stayed behind at the end of the meeting and Tracy said to me, please sit down. And she said, at the 20-minute mark, you completely changed the trajectory of this meeting. 18 mm. people thought about this differently because of the way you listened. If you could code the way you listen, you could change the world. And when she said that very profound thing to me, the only thing wow. that was going through my head, T-Ball, was I'm not fired. That's all I could think about. <laughs> I'm not fired. I'm not fired. And then three weeks later, the budget process continues and we had to roll those budgets out to other areas in, in Australia. And our chief financial officer, Brian, said to me, hey, can you come to the budget setting meeting because uh, I want you to audit my listening. I said, Brian, I haven't got time. We just got this huge budget from the head office. I need to figure out how we're going to get it done next year he said no seriously i think it'll make the world of difference if you come and audit my listening so first uh, first time in my life t-ball i had to code mm -hmm. how i wow. listened and compare that to somebody else and since then five years i've been on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world and that's what brings us together today Wow, that's really amazing. And I'm super grateful for you uh, being on the show today. It's a really, really interesting topic. And uh, you also have a podcast just for the listeners to know. So it's uh, Deep Listening and Impact. So Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. It's an Apple award-winning podcast. You've also written a book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words. And, um, you know, the first question comes to my mind what is deep listening for those who don't know anything about this skill or even that this can be a skill or can become your skill that you can improve? Like, how would you define this topic, deep listening? Yeah, so most people will get some very basic training that sounds like this. Two ears and one mouth, use them in that proportion. That's their listening training for life. Or they get smacked over the back of their head by their parent and say, why aren't you listening? And despite the fact you spend 55% of your day listening, only 2% of us know how. Most people, if they are taught how to listen, are taught to listen to the words. So mm. make sense yeah. of the conversation, paraphrase what they're saying, confirm what they're saying, nod, use simple things like, mm-hmm, so that the other person knows you're listening. And that's interesting. But if you know the neuroscience of listening, we speak wow. at 125 words a minute, but we can think at 900 words a minute. So if all you do is listen to what people say, you're missing out on 89% of what they're thinking. So deep listening is about listening to what isn't said. I know it sounds completely nuts and counterintuitive, but if you yeah. listen to what people haven't said, you're more likely to understand what they mean than what they say. So imagine if you're trying to sell an idea to somebody, whether that's in a large corporation or you're just trying to sell an idea to a government, mm. the likelihood that 
when they respond to your idea, the first thing they say is what they mean. There's only an 11% chance that what they say the first time is what they actually think about the idea. So deep listening is helping you find the next 125 words so that people can tell you what they really think rather than what they automatically say the first time. So deep listening, it's listening to what's not said. Wow, that's really interesting. And the numbers are just uh, crazy, I would say. And how can you, how can someone listen to what's on set? So that 89%, as, you, as you've said, so that's, that's pretty huge. Really quite simple. There's just three phrases you need to use. Mm-hmm. They're very short phrases. So I would say you could almost switch the podcast off after you've heard these three phrases because the rest is going to be interesting, but not as interesting as these three phrases. These three phrases will unlock those 89% of words, the, the, the other 875 words that are stuck in people's head. So the first mm-hmm. one is, tell me more. And the second phrase is, and what else? And the last phrase, very simple phrase to use, but rarely is it used effectively. Now, this one you have to listen carefully because it's very, very short, table. Here it comes. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm ready. Did you Silence. <laughs> and you went first. I love it. If you just be quiet, they'll tell you exactly what's going on. But too many people in the West try and fill the pause. In the East, they know how to work with pause. Silence is a sign of reverence. It's a sign of authority. It's a sign of respect. It's a sign of wisdom. But in the West, we just try and fill that gap. Mm. If you just wait and let them speak. Now, how do you know you've been successful is the question that most people ask. And I always say this, they will tell you some magic code words. Here are the code words. They'll say something like, and Tibor, they're always preceded by somebody doing this. Mm. I take a deep breath in and they go, well, actually, you know what I should have told you was, or they'll say, you know what's really important that we haven't discussed so far? Or they'll say, now that I've thought about it a little bit longer, can we talk about something else altogether? So for, for many of us, we just need to practice those three phrases and don't use them next to each other. Don't say, tell me more and what else? And, and then use silence. If all you did was get the next 125 words out, your impact, if mm. you're trying to get an idea off the ground or you're an entrepreneur trying to sell this to a new customer or a new market, your impact would immediately double, but more importantly, you'd be differentiated from your competition because so few people actually listen to their customers. Mm. So those three phrases, tell me more, and what else, and silence. Wow. I really love this conversation. Uh, we jumped right into the, the most important elements of uh, becoming a impactful listener, I would say so. So that's, that's pretty powerful. Again, one is tell me more what else, and, and silence. And uh, I just wanted to share this with you because I, I went through a uh, coach training program at Ericsson International. And, you know, listening was one of the coaching skills that we learned about. And, um, you know, what else was, was some of one of the questions that we 
was encouraged to use to open up more space, right? So to open up new perspectives for someone. So, you know, let's say you have a question, you ask someone a question and then they give you an answer, as you just said, maybe it's the 11% and then you can ask, so what else? Or the silence part and they, you know, go on and they tell you more. So you open up spaces and new perspectives with those questions and silence. And this is what I have been trying to use in the podcast as well. So sometimes I, you know, stay silent versus interrupting. So I was always thinking as a host, like, should I interrupt, you know, because I want to, you know, address that specific topic there. So I kind of like, you know, like both. Sometimes I think I need to interrupt. Sometimes I need to let the person open up with giving them more space and, and silence. I think the host's role in any situation is to be the voice of the audience. So whether you're a host at a party, whether you're a host at a function or whether you're a host on a podcast, your your role is actually to be the host of the voice of the people who can't speak to the person you're speaking to. So the big tension for you is always you'd love to ask a question but the question mm-hmm, yeah. you have to pose to yourself is that the question your audience would want to ask at this point in time. And the same is true when you're selling ideas and you're in front of your ideal customer. And if you're an entrepreneur trying to sell an idea, it's not your job to figure out how to make the idea fabulous. Your job is to figure out how could the person who hears this idea simply transmit it could they take that idea that's very simple and go and transmit it? That's why the tell me more and what else and silence, they're easy to remember. Mm-hmm. Too many yeah. entrepreneurs and business people overcomplicate ideas and it makes it really hard for that person to transmit a really good idea to somebody else because you make the idea too difficult to hear. So for the host, there's always... Are you asking this question or should you be asking the question the audience wants to hear? Wow, wow, that's pretty powerful because actually in my outline there is a question, what else would my ideal listener want want to know about this topic? So that's one question I should kind of like repeat in my in my mind. Or, or, or ask them in advance, Teable. You know, tell them, hey, I'm interviewing a guy about listening. What questions do you want to ask the guy? That would change the dynamic. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really great point, for example, in my Facebook group. And uh, yeah, so thanks for sharing that. And I wanted to dive into conscious listening because you talk about four types uh, there in your book, for example. So intentional, systemic, curious, progressive. So what are what are those different types? Would you Would you talk to us a little bit more about that? Yeah, the conscious listeners are difficult for most people to relate to. It's difficult for them to attain. In our database, we maintain a database of 1,410 listeners that we've studied for three years. Most listeners uh, struggle with their own listening barriers, and and there's four villains of listening before you get to the four conscious listeners that Mm -hmm. you mentioned, Tibor. And most people actually relate to the things they struggle with much better than some mythical expert in the future. Most people are stuck. 86% of people are stuck at distraction. They're stuck in mobile phones, handy cell phones, you name it, Slack channels, video conferences. All these things are distracting us. 
and too many of us have too many browser tabs open. Not on our computers, but in our mind. The browser tab that said, well, I haven't finished processing the last conversation. I'm processing the next conversation. I'm remembering the last conversation I had with this person. I remember that it wasn't a good conversation. I need to get breakfast. I need to get lunch. In fact, it's happening for you listening right now. You're completely distracted because I'm not speaking fast enough. Although mm. I can speak at 125 words a minute, you can listen at 400 words a minute. So you're filling in the gaps. Your mind saying, hurry up, and if you don't hurry up, I'm going to put some ideas in your way. Wow. So for most of us, the goal of being a conscious listener is an Olympic gold medal event. For most of us, we have to practice the basics, <laughs> really simple basics. And Tibor, you think about the worst listener you know, okay? Don't tell me any names. Just think about the worst listener you know. I'm going to describe four listeners. Four listening yeah. villains. And I want you, when I'm finished, to tell me which one of these frustrates you the most, the person who listens the worst. So there's four listening types in our database that are very obvious. The first one is the dramatic listener. This person loves to listen for your emotion. They really want to be helpful. But every time you tell a story, they're going to say, so that you might say, oh, my boss is terrible. My customers are terrible. They say, oh, you think you've got a bad boss. You think you've got bad customers. You think you've got bad suppliers. Let me tell you about how bad mine are. And they will use your story as a way to tell their own story. They love drama. They love emotion. Now, they're trying mm. to be helpful. Don't get me wrong. But whatever story they tell, whatever story you tell them, they're going to tell you a better story. They're going to tell you a more emotional story. They're going to tell you a more complicated story. That's a dramatic listener. The next listener is the interrupting listener. They won't even let you finish your sentence and they'll give you the answer you think that they want to hear. But unfortunately, because you've interrupted them, you're answering the wrong question and the other person gets frustrated and feels like they're being cut off and not really being listened to. Now, the interrupting listener is just somebody who wants to help you get to your answer quicker. They come from a good place. They come from an intention of helping as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The next listener is the lost listener. The lost listener is the kind of person who turns up to a meeting and really isn't sure why they should be there. And the lost listener is also distracted in a meeting where they might be on their phone, they might be on their tablet, they might be on their computer. Or worse, they might look like they're paying attention, but their mind's drifting away to figuring out how to plan a vacation in August in Sweden. <laughs> yeah. Right? That's yeah. The last listener. The last listener is the shrewd listener. The shrewd listener disproportionately represented in entrepreneurs, brief-taking professions like doctors, lawyers, architects, salespeople. The shrewd listener is somebody who looks like a really good listener. They nod, they look at you in the eye, they say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But if you could see the closed captioning going on in their brain, they're saying this, hmm, this problem is so basic. <laughs> I could fix that problem. It's so easy. I wish they'd give me a complicated problem because I can think about three other things they haven't thought about on this topic. And while you're talking to yourself in your own head, fixing the next three problems, mm -hmm. you've just missed out a magical opportunity to hear what their real problem is because you're too, be too busy being the expert. You're too busy being somebody who's trying to anticipate that you missed the point.
Now, Tebo, I'm curious, which one of those four types do you, did you get really frustrated with the most in real life? Yeah, to be honest with you, it's not easy. It's really, really interesting. And first and foremost, thank you so much for sharing and explaining. Uh, just for your information, I used to work as an architect. So, And actually, a uh, shrewd listener reminded me of maybe having a, a fixed mindset or, or a closed mindset. So that's kind of like just my perception as you were talking about this. But I think the, um, as a speaker, so from a speaker perspective, the most annoying to me would be the the lost listener who is not paying any attention what I'm what I'm talking about or what I'm talking to them. Yeah, and if you want to find out which villain you are, just visit listeningquiz.com and you can take a seven minute assessment, which will give you a three step action plan to move from a distracted listener to a deep and impactful and conscious listener as well. For most of us. There's three fascinating uh, little uh, statistics that are true across all cultures, T-Ball. 87% of people think they're above average drivers. 82% of people think they're above average IQ. And 84% of people think they're above average listeners because people don't know what good listening is because they've never been taught. So So the problem with listening is an awareness problem because in my head... We know when people aren't listening to us. We just don't know when we're listening to them. Are we doing it effectively? So awareness is is a key word there, I would say, because as you were talking about this, so when someone is talking to you or you're listening to somebody, you might be thinking about, okay, what I'm going to eat for dinner, right? So you're distracted, whatever it is. Maybe it's your own thoughts. Or yeah, there there are these different types. So this is really interesting because sometimes you think about what you're going to say, you know, uh, based on what the other is talking about, how you're going to respond. And so you are already distracted. And so are you saying or suggesting that you have to have a very clear head so you're not thinking about something else, just listening to the person or to the person you're talking to? When we talk about the five levels of listening, most people think that the most important person to focus on is the speaker, and that's handy, that's useful, but it's not powerful. The foundation to listening is listening to yourself first, is shutting down those browser tabs in your mind so you can come to that conversation and have some memory available to listen to the other person. The most important person you need to listen to is you. If you are available, then the conversation has a chance of succeeding. But if you're thinking about lunch, if you're thinking about dinner, if you're thinking about weekend, if you're thinking about vacation planning, if you're thinking about the next thing you need to do, if you're thinking about the fact that you need to get the kids to school, if you're thinking about all these things, it's impossible for you to be thinking about Mm. how to process what you want to listen to for the other person. And don't get me wrong, as a person who teaches listening, I get distracted too. The difference between me and anybody else is I notice when I'm distracted faster. So again, here's three tips. If you want to stop being distracted before you even come to the conversation, because listening takes place before, during, and after any conversation, whether that's a team meeting, whether that's an a, a individual meeting with another individual, whether that's an organization trying to listen to customers before, during, and after. So let's focus on before. 
before you get to any conversation, switch off all the devices. If that's too hard for you, switch off all the notifications, switch the device into flight mode, switch them into silent mode. You know, anything you can do to remove electronic distractions is going to be good for you. The next one, drink a glass of water every 30 minutes. A hydrated brain is a listening brain. The process of listening happens in the most modern part of the brain, the prefrontal cortex, and in the most modern part of the brain, it consumes a lot of blood sugar. The brain Mm. itself, T-ball, 5% of body mass, yet it consumes 22% of blood sugars. It, it, It is a hungry machine that needs to be fed, and the fastest way to get blood sugars to the brain is make sure it's hydrated and drink water. Now, if you like to drink coffee, if you like that, that's okay. Just drink an extra glass of water for every glass of coffee you drink as well. One glass every half an hour. Simple. Mm -hmm. And -hmm. the third one, three deep breaths. In through the nose, down the back of the throat, all the way down to the bottom of your lungs and then out through your mouth. It's really important you breathe in through your nose and out your mouth, not the other way. And you don't have to be an Olympic weightlifter or a boxer or an opera singer. I'm not talking about. (sighs) I'm not talking about that kind of breathing. I'm just talking about deliberate breathing. It sends Mm -hmm. a signal to the nervous system in the body that everything's okay. There's nothing to fear in this conversation. Be relaxed, and when you're relaxed, there is more available working memory in the prefrontal cortex to focus on the process of listening so switch off the devices drink water three deep breaths and you'll have at least four hours a week back in your day because you won't be reworking stuff you won't have to ring people back and say did i get this right did you say this when you when i said that because i was going to go and do so a lot of workplaces a lot of rework happens because people don't listen effectively initially Wow. We want to encourage people to make sure that if they're present, if they're completely present for the conversation, they can notice their own breathing and, more importantly, the breathing of the speaker. They can notice what the speaker's saying, but more importantly, what they're not saying. They can start to listen for not just what they say, but how they're saying it. They can wow. listen to what they mean rather than what they say. And if you can master all of those and be present enough, you you will have an impact beyond words because you're starting to help the speaker listen to their own thinking. Deep listeners, honestly, people, here's a dirty little secret. A really deep listener doesn't actually listen. All they do is they help the speaker make sense of what they say. So it doesn't matter what they say. If you can help them make sense of what they say, They think you're amazing and they want to keep working with you. Wow, that's really fascinating. And is is it backtracking or or something like that when you're uh, asking something to help them come up with more? Or is it, uh, for example, the tell me more or the silence part? Yeah, it's those three questions again. Any, Any questions longer than seven words are really either not questions or they're biased. You know, the... Neutral mm. questions are really critical. That's why you have to be careful using questions like why, you know. Simon yeah. Sinek's done a great job of teaching everybody to ask about why, and that's great if you're setting a mission statement. But in dialogue, when you ask somebody why, they feel judged. 
Yes. Whether I've interviewed an FBI hostage negotiator, whether I've interviewed a person who trained police in Afghanistan, and whether I've interviewed people who interrogate prisoners, whether I've interviewed suicide counsellors, they all say be very careful when you ask the question why. The how questions and the what questions, they say, are much more effective in helping the other person make sense of what they're doing. Wow, wow, that's really interesting. And do we want to use open-ended questions, so with the how and the what? So Depends. I'll give you some examples of what it depends on. So generically, people always say, well, ask open-ended questions. They're the best questions. I disagree. Mm -hmm. I disagree. Open-ended questions... And only open-ended questions can feel like you're not making progress. It feels like you're going around in circles. feels like you're a plane circling the tower, air traffic control, waiting to land the plane. Mm-hmm. What you want to think about is a simple framework. Open-ended questions work best at the beginning of a conversation. Closed questions work better at the end of the conversation. One of the things deep listeners are really good at is they're actually impatient When they start to notice an unproductive pattern in the conversation that the other person's saying, they say the same thing over and over again. Oh, you know, yes, but, you know, I've really got a fear or, or, you know, I've really got imposter syndrome around this. And they just keep saying it in different ways. A a deep listener wants them to make progress. In fact, it's Mm -hmm. one of the conscious listeners we talked about earlier on. So... A deep listener is impatient in the second half of the conversation because they, they're they not there to make progress for themselves. They're there to make progress for the speaker. So as a general rule, open-ended questions the first half, closed-ended questions on the second half. These uh, frameworks are really simple. 80% of your questions should be about what and how in the first half of the conversation. Mm -hmm. The second half of the conversation should be more who and when questions. Yeah. So that way, so who else is involved in approving a project like this? When does the committee meet to approve this? These are closed questions, Tibor. They're not open because you want them to understand. Uh, Tibor, if you're putting this proposal to the approval board, what information do you need from me to help you present that information? Okay. And when is that? Great. So that means I need to have it to you by next week. Wow. It's really powerful. I love it. It, It's a simple architecture. Now, it also depends on the time frame. Everything I've just said is wrong if you're selling products that take a year to buy. If you can sell a product that you can transact in one meeting, that framework works perfectly. But if you're selling something that requires an organization to use over a 12 or 24 month period and the procurement cycle is 90 to 120 days or maybe longer, maybe a year long, maybe you're selling complex professional services, maybe you're selling a solar plant to an organization. You want to think about that percentages that I talked about over the period of time you're dealing with them. So if you're doing 12 months of selling, For the first three months, you probably want to ask a lot of open-ended questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then in the second half, the next three months, you probably want to start asking a few more closed questions. But it needs to feel like progression, not something that's disjointed. Now we are asking closed-ended questions. So it shouldn't feel like that to the person who's receiving it. It should just feel like a conversation. 
I hope that simple framework helps people make sense of open and integer closed questions because it's a very simplistic formula. Don't get me wrong, it's great advice. Ask more open-ended questions because most people are either interrupting or they're bringing their own drama into a conversation most of the time when they're asking questions. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. And uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts on questions. I want to turn back to conscious uh, listening and and not that actually uh, five levels of listening. So I I don't think that we went deep enough there. So there are uh, five levels. So would you talk to us a little bit more about those levels? Yeah, let me just give you a quick overview. The five levels of listening are level one, listening to yourself. Level two, listening to the content. Level three, listening for the context. Level four, listening for what's unsaid. And then level five, listening for meaning. We've spent a bit of time at level one, you know, making sure that you've got the browser tabs closed down, that you're available, switch off the devices, drink water and breathe deeply. But mm-hmm. It is very difficult to access level two, three, four, and five if you're on really weak foundations and you're continuously distracted. Well, just just a moment, Tibor. I've just got to switch my cell phone to uh, silent. Oh, just a moment. Um, I've just got to answer this email. Oh, just a moment. You know, it's really difficult to stay in the moment and the other person gets frustrated by it anyway. So when we talk about level two, we talk about listening to the content. The content is what they say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's also what their eyes are doing. It's also what their head is tilting. It's also how their shoulders are. It's also how they're using their hands. And it's also listening for where that content is coming from. If you notice now, my voice has just changed. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, and it's because my voice is coming from a much lower place in the bottom of my throat. Now, if I come from right down in my diaphragm, I sound more confident. Whereas if mm-hmm. I say it here, you're not too sure I really know what I'm talking about, do you? Yeah. Yeah. But if your head's buried in a computer or a cell phone, you're not even paying attention to the change in their voice. And voice is three-dimensional. It comes from the tongue, it comes from the throat, and it comes from the diaphragm right down at the base of the lungs. But most people, again, are too distracted to even notice. So that's level two. You listen with your ears, you listen with your eyes, and you you sense. You sense where they're at. Now, I'll give you a really simple example. I was working with a client His organization had been acquired by this public company and he was responsible for the merger integration. He was really, really frustrated by this table and he was talking away and all of a sudden, every conversation, he literally repeat the same themes over and over again. And at one point in this conversation, he said to me, and he just paused just for that long. And he continued saying what he said, which was just a big complaint about his boss in the new organization. And I said to him, Alex, so I let him finish speaking. I said, Alex, did you notice when you paused? And he said, yeah, I did. I said, and? And he said, you know what? I'm getting sick of my own complaints. I've made a decision that I need to take responsibility for that. And I said, great choice. If I didn't notice that pause, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure he would have come to that insight. 
because he wasn't listening to himself, Tibor. But if we're not there, we're not present to notice that, we're never going to get there. That's level two, listening to the content. It's just level two. Wow, that's so powerful. Already really, you know, transformative for, for the other person, right? So, you know, <clears throat> your example is great, I think. So I'm, I'm excited about the next, next ones, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, and these levels are like uh, black belts in, in martial arts. They're, very few people do it. Like very few people run marathons. Very few people go to the Olympics. Everything I talk about from here on, we're already up to at this point, most people, 92% of people in our database are stuck between level one and level two listening. So only mm-hmm. 8% of the population even knows what I mean from now on. So from now, we say, listen to yourself and listen to the content. Now we say, listen for, listen for the context, listen for the unsaid, listen for the meaning. So this is a tipping point. Imagine you had two levels and everything above that level one and two is listening to two and then listening above is listening for so at at level three we're listening for the context what are the patterns do they always speak about the future do they always speak about the past do they speak in detail or they speak in big picture do they talk about themselves or do they talk about their team do they talk about problems or they talk about solutions If you understand that, you get an insight into how to help them to think about things. Yet the most simple thing you can do at level three, T-Ball, is simply this question. I feel like I've jumped into a movie 20 minutes in. Could you just go back to the beginning? Oh, sure, no problem. And they go back to the beginning of the story. That is not for the listener. That is for the speaker to help them make sense of where this started from. And they will often say, wow, we've been working on this project for seven months. And when the kickoff meeting happened for this project, seven months, and all of a sudden, if you're trying to sell or transmit an idea into this organization, you have a better context to explain it into. Mm-hmm. So that's listening for the context. It's about patterns and how do you match patterns. We've touched wow. listening to what's unsaid earlier on. The 125, 900 rule, I speak at 125, you can think at 900 words a minute on average. And when you do, your mind is like a washing machine, washing clothes. It's dirty. It's got soap in it. It's agitated. It's not making progress. If you open the washing machine and look inside when it's washing, it feels like it's not going anywhere. It's just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And for most of us, the idea in our head It's just back and forth, back and forth, stuck in our head. And the minute we speak is like the rinse cycle and we get that idea out into the world and what happens is in the mind, the neural pathways are completely differently wired when we speak to when we think. And it's done that way so we have a much better track back into our memory. So it goes, oh, that's a a way to remind myself of this idea. Again, people, most people don't, A, don't know the 125-900 rule. They're too busy in their laptops to even pay attention to this person. And those three magic words, uh, phrases that we can use, um, tell me more, what else? And just silence if we want to help these people expose this a bit more. Let's just pause because we'll finish off on level five with a story. Yeah, yeah. 
It's pretty powerful, to be honest with you. For example, to context, it reminded me of something, for example, the thinking pattern, right? So somebody has, and as you also mentioned, so someone has a thinking pattern, maybe they tend to think about possibilities or maybe procedures or action steps or visions. You know, there are different, I think it's called meta programs in NLP, but I'm not an expert in NLP. So you know, there are different. <laughs> I'm not an expert in NLP. Either. I've never studied it. Yeah. So they, they, I think they call it meta programs. This is the habitual thinking pattern someone has. And, you know, someone uh, tends to think in possibilities versus someone tends to think in procedures and action steps. Also, you know, bigger pictures and visions. Um, somebody rather thinks action steps, you know, one, two, three, one, two, three, and execution. So those are some of those thinking patterns, I would say. What what would you say my thinking patterns are listening to me today? (laughs) That's a a really great question. And uh, Do I talk in stories or or statistics, uh, big picture or details? Which, which Which boxes would you put me in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great question, and and thanks for asking. I would say, um, yeah, uh, numbers, statistics, but it's it's kind of both. So I don't know if you've an, if if it's because of your experience of giving interviews. Maybe you know it's conscious that you use both stories and and statistics and studies. It was combined. It's a great bit of listening you've been doing to notice that, and if you're transmitting an idea for the first time and you don't know who's in the audience, you need to speak to the left brain and the right brain. You need to speak to stories and statistics. You need to speak to big picture and to detail. And I'm sure today if you said what was the statistics, it's the 125-400 rules, 125-900 rule, it's 86% yeah. of people are stuck, but you'll remember the story about Tracy and you'll remember the story about the merger. And uh, yeah, and then the five levels of listening framework is helping people make sense of it in a structured way. Yeah, so if yeah. you if you're an entrepreneur trying to transmit an idea into an organization you don't know much about, you better make sure that you've got stories and statistics. You've got uh, emotion and logic in the way you present your idea, then it has more chance of success. If wow. you're a little bit more aware of an audience, maybe you're presenting to all the finance people, mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. you better have some facts and figures, and you better have some logic, and it better be sequential. If you're yeah. presenting to the marketing department. You probably want to turn up the emotion a bit more and tell a few more stories. Make sure you've got some stats in there too, but not as much as if you went to finance. That's so fascinating. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for sharing. And it's really useful to uh, anyone, like also a speaker. If you want to speak, maybe you're a podcaster or anytime if you you know have a presentation or something like that. That's really good. Really good. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. And as we're coming to the end of this episode, I wanted to mention again that people can, you know, uh, take this quiz. It's listeningquiz.com. So, and I usually ask my guests about book recommendations. If you have anything in mind that you would recommend besides your book, Deep Listening, Impact Beyond Words, uh, what would that be? Yeah, I definitely recommend the New York Times bestselling book, Atomic Habits by James Clear. It is not only a well-written book, but it is so thoughtfully put together and it is so accessible. Whatever habit you're trying to start, 
there's many books been written on habits, but this book actually makes sense to everybody who's not a discipline expert. Most habit books are written like you already have the habit, whereas James Clear's book is so well written, it can take anybody from any journey on their habits and help them make sense of that every day. I couldn't recommend it highly enough. Thank you so much for for the book recommendation. And uh, before I ask my last question, please just tell the listeners where they can find you online and get in touch. Tibor, listeningquiz.com will connect you with all the resources you want, the seven-minute quiz, the deep listening playing cards, the 90-day challenge, which moves you from knowing something about listening to practicing it every week for 13 weeks in a row. So you can start to build some listening muscles that'll connect you to the Apple award-winning podcast, Deep Listening, and all those resources are free. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And again, the links are going to be in the show notes and available on our website. And my last question is, what is your mission as I said earlier on, I'm on a quest to create 100 million deep listeners in the world, Tibor, and I'm really grateful that today you were able to help me make a dent in that quest towards 100 million deep listeners in the world by being able to share this idea with your audience. Thanks for listening. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and I wish you good luck with this mission. It's been super powerful. I really enjoyed this topic, and thank you so much. I appreciate you joining us for this episode of the Podcast Interview Mastery Show. If you feel inspired to hang out with other like-minded podcasters, make sure to join the Podcast Interview Nation community at MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview Nation. If you want to check out the details, show notes, book recommendations, interview tips, and free resources, please make sure to head over to our website, MindsetHorizon.com forward slash Interview. I really hope this episode's been highly valuable to you. I will catch you next time. And until then, be world class, my friend.